Hi, I'm Billy, a developmental paediatrician. And I'm Nick, a developing parent. We're going to use scenes from iconic movies to talk about how we best support our kids. This is Pop Culture Parenting. Hey, don't let your mother smell that beer on your breath. She'll take it out on me. Good morning, Billy. Good morning, Nick. How are you going? Good, mate. How are you? Really good. Really good. Tell you what, Billy, I'm going to start with a compliment. I'm admiring your boldness in that T-shirt because we are currently outside in your uninsulated shed and, in fact, we've just had the heater on, mate. The end of this episode, <laughs> you could have been shivering on the microphone. Well, might, might keep me a bit tighter on what I say. <laughs> but I'm also doing it because I spend a lot of time post-production in our content and you are outshining me. Oh, truly. You're looking great. You're also looking at the camera all the time. I look like an amateur. I do love looking down the barrel. <laughs> so I thought I've got up my game. I can't be wearing these stroppy jumpers. Well, like you've done a couple of curls before we started <laughs> yeah, as well. I start tucking my tummy in <laughs> for the whole thing and like, yeah. That's real, that thing. I always, every time I look at us on the playback, I'm like, sit up straight, sit up straight. <laughs> so as I adjust in my seat now, project with a bit of confidence, looking great for about 30 seconds until <laughs> I just slump back in. Anyway, how are you? Good, good. It's been a good week. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Good That's week. Cool. Got some time. With you having, yeah, a seltzer and a beer, which was always it? lovely. That was good. Yep. Went to retrieve my jacket from a pub and yep. thought it'd be rude not to st- stop and have a quick one. You stuffed that up, didn't you? Getting the jacket back. Yeah, it wasn't you had a sense of humour that went over the staff's head. It wasn't, didn't go well. Asking, yeah, what did you say? Do you guys have a lost and found? And he said, why have you lost something? And you said, no, I'm just after some more clothes. <laughs> it was, I was, he did not appreciate it and it also a, didn't come back with a jacket. It was a straight joke. Like, I was absolutely joking. I wasn't being smart. I was like, I don't I want it. You know, I thought we were back and forth. I think that's a problem when you don't go to a pub very often anymore. You're just, like, excited. And you're yeah. like, let's banter. And he's like, mate. Yeah, he's not in the same mindset. No, he's not as excited straight. As straight. <clears throat> exactly. Um, but yeah, good week. You've had a bit of a tough week actually because we often reflect on how did you go after the last step and I said, how have you gone with the kids? And you went, oh, whoops. But about kind of what we talked about last week and implementing it, but you've done a bit of solo parenting. Oh, yeah. No, uh, <laughs> whenever you say that, I'm like, oh, what have I done? I can't <laughs> remember. I barely remember the previous 24. No, so I had the, yeah, had the kids uh, solo for a couple of days this week, which was uh, was actually pretty fun. Absolute swings and roundabouts, highs and lows. Yeah, you sound like nailed. you did pretty well though. Oh, nailed one night. Mm. I had like this plan. I was like, we're going to build a cubby. <laughs> the cubby is draping a sheet from one bed to the other between the kids. <laughs> yeah, great. And then just like every stuff to on earth. But I made the first night. How come? I didn't manage my own expectations well. Okay. Uh, around meal time. It's just my absolute pinch point. Yeah, okay. When I have to do meal, um, if I'm not, yeah, I, I'm like, I've I've cooked. I feel like I'm like that. I've cooked. Yeah, and okay. like, mate. We don't care. We don't care. Yeah. <clears throat> so that was the uh, challenge I had. Um, and what about, do you reckon meal times are the toughest for you or bedtime or morning routine? 
Um, for me personally, at the end of the day, so I start the day on. I I bounce out of bed, so mm. I've always been that. So by the end of the day, I'm a bit like, oh, yeah, bit, bit flatter. So, and just I think um, there's always that bit of like, oh, mum over dad a bit in that sense. Like they sort of, oh no, I want mum to do it. I want mum to do it. And I'm like, oh. yeah. And I don't mind the back of house. That suits me. Yeah. Um, it's good. Yeah. Yeah. So that suits me. Um, uh, doing the sort of you know. Running the bath and doing the dishes and doing the cooking, I love that. Like, yeah, I actually okay. love the. I'm a back of house guy, and Henry's got infinite patience. Yeah, infinite patience, and will play creatively to get through and navigate a, cu- a kid that won't eat. Mm. Where I'm a little bit more like, that's the meal, that's the menu. Sometimes, <laughs> and, yeah, and then they're like, yeah, nah, I don't want that now. Yeah, I've had a bit of that lately, just throwing, make a meal. Seems like the more effort I put into the meal, the more likely it is to get thrown around the kitchen. Yeah, (laughs) correct. But I'd be a bit of a hypocrite if I (laughs) didn't uh, learn from some of my own lessons (laughs) so that I'm dishing out. But yeah, it's much easier to say this stuff than it is to actually go and do it. Yep. And we're here this week to discuss part two of uh, ET and imaginary friends and empathy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was a really fun one. Like I um I really enjoyed doing that and we got some really good feedback about it. Um and yeah, it's also I, I know you've been pretty busy, but it changed my approach a bit to how I've been playing with Evie. Oh yeah. How so? Yeah, just kind of understanding how important that imaginary play is, mm-hmm. creativity and those aspects. Like we know that it's a really rich part of cognitive development but more specifically kind of social and emotional development is that imaginative play like she's really young so she's 13 months so she's really young for that stuff and i think she's probably watching me do the tea party and all that stuff and going <laughs> what are you talking about do you share yes share, sharing is <laughs> a big part of it and but even in the way you read books like we'll do one on language development but even i remember a um an amazing speech you telling me, you know, a speech pathologist telling me about how you enrich the reading experience of not mm-hmm. just going through the book but having a bit of imagination and creativity and you can even put empathy in it, you know, like why do you think the dog's happy, you know, and it's like, oh, because he's at the park mm. and, the, you know, kids trying to think about what's it like to be that dog, you know, and there's a bit, there's, a, there's even research around empathy and having animals in the house actually. Mm. But, um, yeah, you've got six, seven chickens. Yeah, seven chickens. Yeah. Diddy's, Freddie calls, Ronnie calls them Diddy's. I go see the Diddy's. Diddy's chickens. Don't know why she's calls them that. Um, but on book reading, just on that one, mm. I've I've had this thing. So I've never like really owned a book in our sort of fa- in. Sorry, I've never owned the reading of a book from the first time we ever read it to sort of where we are today. So I've been reading this book for two or three weeks to the girls. It's an alphabet yeah. book. It's yeah. A and there's like a two to three weeks. <laughs> what to get through the alphabet? No, no, it's like one. I read it every night before okay. put down. Yeah, so I jump in the bed. Everyone jumps on the single bed in my daughter's room. We read it. We squeeze in there. Yeah, and it's kind of a pop up fold out. Oh yeah, yeah. They're and we try to get Ronnie to do it, and some the ones you can't do. Freddie just jumps in, does it. It's amazing. Now I think it's it's probably it's mimicking. I think it's fair or learning, mm. but like Ronnie can now nearly do all twenty six of the things. She doesn't know yeah, what amazing. they are, but I'll be like, A, mm. she'll be like, Apple, you know, gets through, O, oh, there's a big octopus, and she'll be like, octopus, you know, yeah, like all these things. That's and complex. It's, yeah, it's a, well, she needs some prompting, so maybe not all of them, that's probably a bit generous, maybe over half of them, and yeah. it's really fun, but like each day she'll pick up a new one, because mm. we do it every day for 
three weeks. And we might do it, not just bedtime, we might do it in the morning and then at lunch on the weekend. So, yeah. But it's amazing just watching um, her just like, you know, measure, it's almost like measuring. You can sort of see it developing. Yeah, yeah, fun. that's cool. So well, that's the great fun. thing about like language development and even motor development is you see it evolving. Like you see mm. them getting more words and understanding yeah. more things. And you see them, like Evie isn't walking yet, but mm. we're kind of watching it get closer. Mm. The hardest thing about a lot of the social emotional development stuff is you can't see it as obviously you're not like cool they can ride a bike now mm. or they you know they can say octopus yeah you're like okay cool you are struggling with that bit emotionally I can't see that it's because you don't know how to say that bit of octopus is yeah. the reason you're having a tough time and it's it's so easy with crawling and walking right yeah. like that's why people love it it's such a milestone because as a parent you're like oh I know something's changing like I can see mm. something's happening where you're saying about the Emotional stuff like regulation or whatever, it's hard to, I find it hard to look at. It's so funny though, because with behavior and emotional stuff, like we will sometimes be like, I want to stop you doing that. But we don't do that when kids are learning to walk. We're not like, stop falling down. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. And it's, because that would be silly, but we don't see it as silly with behavior. We think it's appropriate with behavior to focus on the bit they're doing wrong. Do you know what I mean? Totally. When it's like learning octopus, you don't have a go at her when she does it wrong. And it's that's, not a lamb. That's not how she's going to learn how to say octopus. <laughs> no, and exactly. it's the same with emotional development. You celebrate when they say the word or the bits they say well or when mm. they do take a step. And that's what reinforces it because they mm. go, cool, that felt awesome. Yeah. So it's a weird thing that we do. And it's, you know, as we often say, it's all about skill development, whether it's learning octopus or learning empathy. Like, you know, it's skill cool stuff. Skill. Yeah, mm. skill and you need opportunities, you need effort and you need reinforcement. So mm. that's the thing that you sitting down every night on the bed is the reason their language will get better. We've got really good evidence about, you know, when we think about language delay, we know that kind of, you know, 15% of two-year-olds in Australia will have a delay in their language and about half of them get better by school entry. But there's okay. about 5 6% of kids that still have a language delay or a language concern at school entry and we know – you know, there seems to be a big difference in how much those kids have heard language like that. So it's really awesome that you're reading to them. The cool thing is that there's also a, a really big imagination development in stories that doesn't really exist if kids are watching TV because it's not – we'll talk about this in another episode about language development, but the challenge in TV is that it's not interactive. Yeah, it's one way. Mm, it's one way. <laughs> Whereas you're reading the book and you can be, why do you think Sally's sad? And what you're giving is mainly Freddie because Ronnie, it's really early. But you're giving Freddie an opportunity to think, what is it? What does it feel like to be Sally? What's her perspective? Oh, and that's a yeah. So that's yeah. a really important social development for Freddie. The great thing is with an imaginary friend or with story time mm. or with make believe play with a teddy bear. Yep. There's no risk. So she can kind of. You know, be selfish and snatch <laughs> yeah, the toy. Yeah, you can't harm the feelings of the toy. Yeah, exactly. So it's this really safe space for them to learn kind of how to read social cues, how to understand why is Sally upset, oh, because I haven't given her any tea for the tea party, you know, and those type of things. And it's, it's a really safe space. And what happens is then kids learn those skills and then there's really good evidence around not just imaginary friends but kids who have more imaginative play that they have better social competencies and they do better kind of in broader stuff like academic trajectories and things like that. But they're more likely to succeed in their social play 
if they've had opportunities that are really supported and scaffolded through parents or other people saying, let's have a tea party, how's the teddy going? Yeah. You know, let's go say hi to the chickens. Do you think they're happy today? Mm. Chickens are cold today. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, so as with, uh, if it's your first time listening to a part two of our episodes, what we do is uh, we go through the first week of a topic. So last week it was, as we said at the top, ET and imaginary friends and empathy. Yep. Sorry, really stumbled on that, didn't I? It's okay. And then we take a week or typically a week in between and then we come back and you try and apply it throughout the week. So it sounds like you've told us that you've been trying to work on some of the imaginary yeah. play and creativity, which is cool. But what we do encourage is people to send us questions about the topic. So if they're like, oh, I'm seeing this or seeing that, you know, and they sort of ask Billy questions or challenge him or, or, or push us for some answers on things, we love it. So got a few questions this week. I'm going to fire off at you. Yeah. Um, I'm going to read them straight out because there's some really well thought out questions here. Yeah, um, some amazing questions. Yep. And so they come via either our Gmail, um, popcultureparenting at gmail.com or you can go to popcultureparenting.com and find it in our contact details if you can't remember it. And if you ever want to give specific feedback, comment on uh, how amazing the website is because Nick would really appreciate it. <coughs> it's a little bit of adaptive skills there, just uh, back in the old web. Um, or just hit us up on Instagram, which is where all the ones came from this week. So, cracking yeah. into the first one. Uh, thanks so much for the episode on Imaginary Friends and Empathy. Uh, an excellent movie and scene choice as well. My two-year-old shows so much empathy, it blows my mind and melts me. I was recently unwell and coughing heaps and she would come up to me, stroke my head and say, poor little girl, and it's okay, mummy. I walked in after work today and she turned to me and said, how was work, mummy? Totally unprompted. I know a lot of this is based on mimicking, but want to keep finding ways to continue to support and develop this. She loves her toys and also... Uh, she loves her toys also, and I sometimes feel like they come to life for her, a bit like Hobbs and Calvin, which is the imaginary mm. tiger, um, but then remind myself she's only two years old. At what age can imaginary friends start developing? She sometimes talks about one of her daycare friends in a way that suggests that there could be an element of imagination about the child and his role in her day. In fact, a few weeks ago, my husband actually asked if I thought the boy was real. Great question. Yeah, what a ripper. And I also really appreciate the uh, the shout-out for the scene selection because I put a lot of effort and time it does. <laughs> into what scenes you, get picked. You truly wanted that acknowledged because you thought everyone's going to say it's going to be Drop Dead Fred and yeah. you went, no, it's going to be E.T. Yeah, so. if anyone has the time, maybe um, each time there's a scene picked, it would be nice to hear <laughs> some positive <laughs> feedback because I reckon it takes me longer and more of my brain power to pick the movie and the scene to tie the topic to. So... Very much appreciate that. But in answer to the question, really great question and really beautiful to hear about a two-year-old that is saying, you know, you okay, mummy, how was work and comforting mm. and sick. And the reason she's doing that is likely because it's being role modelled really well for her, which is a beautiful thing that parents do is role modelling, um, you know, that kind of real empathy and compassion, which is a really great thing to see in kids. And kids will keep doing what's reinforced and what they see in those things. So that's kind of where that's likely coming from, which you can tell, like if you're listening to a parenting podcast and finding the time to ask questions and send feedback, you're a pretty responsive, you know, <laughs> yeah. motivated parent, which is yep. awesome. Love that. The question about, you know, she's two. Um, so it's really early for an imaginary friend, but it's not early for imaginative play. And that's 
the bit that you'll be seeing in her, which is, but she's probably ahead of it. So we know kind of the ability. So imaginary friends, it's often kind of peaks around five, six, seven years of age. Mm-hmm. Kids will show it earlier. They'll show earlier signs of it. But there is a kind of evolution that happens in the way that imagination gets built. And it's quite primitive at the start in that, you know, a banana can be a phone. Do you know what I mean? That's kind of really primitive because they can imagine and pretend, but they also know it's still a banana. Mm -hmm. It's right down the other end of the spectrum to be like, I wonder what that other kid on the other side of the playground is feeling and thinking. Mm. Because you have to imagine that. So, but that's so much more complex and that kind of, I can't remember what it's called, but the ability to kind of make an object be another object is one of the first signs of imagination that we see. There's also like an imagination... And, you know, this little girl might be doing this already. Um, it usually starts around 18 months, two years of age where, you know, they can be like, I brush the teddy bear's teeth or I give the teddy bear a drink or the teddy bear rides in the car with me or something. But that's really passive. Like the other inanimate object takes on a personality or whatever in a really passive way and they just have stuff done to them. Ah, so that is the first. Okay, can see, yeah, I see so what you're you kind of got the banana bees, the phone, <clears throat> yep. and then those things. And then you get more and more complex. Your skills develop even more in what you can do to the point where, you know, the teddy bear has thoughts and feelings. And the teddy bear moves from being a comforter of like, I need teddy just because I need to clutch it, to yeah. like, teddy actually has a personality. Yeah, teddy's going to go get the biscuits because he's teddy really might good have a few it. thoughts on things. Yeah, exactly. And that's a really cool part of it is that that's where they get the ability that then it goes from the teddy bear yep. to the kid on the playground. Ah, and that's yes. the cool bit. And what she's doing in terms of the, you know, the boy, like we can't tell, you know, it's a great question. But I'm not sure what is making them think that the boy might be made up. But it's possible that there is a real boy with that name and she's exploring really early on some of the creative elements of that relationship that she has with him. Okay. In that, you know, he says that he lives on the moon or whatever it is and that's her exploring creativity through something else. Just like kids do with the teddy bear. A mix of real. Like so the kid could be real but, yeah, lives on the moon. Yeah, totally. He lives on the moon or he said he's got a pet tiger at home or whatever it is that's making them think this doesn't really sound true. What this child is probably showing us is that she's quite developed in her creativity, which is a really good signal that this girl is going to do really well kind of socially and emotionally because she's showing early signs of that. And it's, it's really cool. Um, and the, the cool bit, bit as well is there's good evidence that dads play a big role in this. Mm-hmm. So, you know, um, it's really cool to hear that conversation is happening with her dad as well. Yeah. So, obviously, yeah, telling dad about it. And dad's like, is the kid real? Yeah. yeah. I love that. Yeah. So, being a part of that creativity and imaginative play mm. just for the fun of it kind of thing. And let's just explore this phone being a banana, this teddy bear being thirsty, you know, <laughs> this puppy dog being sad is really cool um, opportunities and a really safe way to explore the perspectives of others, other people's feelings, their needs that are different to the kid that we're, you know, talking about our own kids. I'm actually, can I be really honest, I'm like saying a really easy link between creativity and empathy there. Like I obviously was here for the topic last week and I understood it, (laughs) but that's a very good practical way of going, oh, that's how it, like I can, well, probably because I've got kids that age and I'm like, oh, yeah, because Barney's now got a bit more about them than I can see why. Yes. Yeah, and you keep giving them the opportunities to extend and stretch. A lot of skill development is about stretch. So you yep. kind of go, cool, why do you think Bunny's, you know, how's Bunny going today? Yep. And if they're like, 
what are you talking about? So that's fine. But if they're like happy, you're like, why is he happy? What makes Bunny happy? And they'll be like, Bunny likes playing, Bunny likes this, Bunny likes that. And then they're like, cool. And then they're thinking about Bunny. And if they can then think about Bunny is different to me, especially if they start to have different needs to the child. Like Bunny likes carrots, but I don't like carrots. Well, it's about to stop you there. How can we make Bunny dictate what someone else eats for dinner? Because it'd be really cool if Bunny could tell me what Bunny wants and then we all enjoy it together. We'll get to that. Can I use Bunny to manipulate mealtime? Manipulate might be the wrong one. It's a general question. Motivation. We talk about motivation. It came through from someone else, not me. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, there's a fourth question that just come in late. (laughs) Even though our phones are in aeroplane mode. I'm joking. Yes, it should be in aeroplane mode. Okay, cool. I love that one. But Yeah, but you definitely can. There is opportunities (laughs) broader than just supporting creativity and empathy in um, imaginary friends in that play. And I think we've got a question that I might save that for because it's a really good element of another question that I, I think out of the three that you picked. Yeah, awesome. Okay, cool. Um, Another one was a comment on the post. So uh, another great episode. I found listening to your descriptions of both Spielberg and Elliot's feelings of loneliness following divorce quite emotional. I'm full of concern for my own children navigating life as a single mum with less than ideal co-parent. Yeah, so I, I, I know there's more to that, but I just wanted to stop you there. There's two great things that got mentioned that are quite emotive there um, that I want yeah. to do specific topics on, so they go on the list as well. One of them is loneliness. Loneliness is one of the things. I can loneliness in adults and mental illness in adults is what drives 99% of what I do is knowing that those kids, if we, those adults, if we'd met them as kids and been able to support them and all that stuff because that's what I worry about. And being alone is different to loneliness. So okay. it's not, you know, there are people that obviously are quite happy being on their own. But loneliness is different and I um, also have a personal experience with, you know, um, what this person is talking about because, you know, I was brought up by my mum and going and seeing my dad on, you know, every second weekend and then Christmas and all that thing and so I really enjoy speaking about co-parenting so we should do a separate episode on that and I just wanted to identify that it's really, um, I really appreciate a parent sharing that and being as open and honest about those two things but I just didn't. I stopped you because I didn't want to sound like I was dismissing them by not addressing them. But no, no, they will good. be future topics. No, no, totally. Um, that's fine. Um, they go on to say, my question for this week is about the link between empathy and maintaining strong personal boundaries. I think I'm really proactive when it comes to explicitly talking about my talking about and encouraging empathy, but sometimes I worry about it slipping into people pleasing, especially for my daughter. As women, we're pretty conditioned to be considerate of others' feelings and I want my daughter to be a kind yet strong woman who doesn't give others, doesn't give to others at the expense of herself. Does that even make sense? I hope so. Mm, really makes sense. One of the best questions that we've ever had as well because yeah, the person has just thought about it and seen the vulnerability in just kind of pushing empathy. Um, so, yeah, lots of things. And especially you and I raising daughters, like I think, you know, we need to be really conscious of this and how do we make sure that, you know, those kind of societal pressures that can make girls coming up really vulnerable, we protect them from that. And, you know, Mm -hmm. obviously I think you and I have spoken about this, haven't we, that the relationship that our daughters have with us will determine, you know, the expectations that they have. Yeah, you've said that to me. I thought that was really interesting. You're like what you model is what then they'll expect later on from their partner. 
Yeah, so things hey, like honesty. And, yeah, you know, yeah. How I engage with my partner in front of them. Yeah, the other one. that's right. Yeah, that's what we were speaking about. Yeah, yeah, it's just you know that's kind of yeah role modeling. So much of this is role modeling, and so much of it is what we do, not what we say. Uh, yeah. yeah, they watch how we treat each other. They don't listen to us say this is how you should treat someone as much as they watch how we treat each other. It's a short term corrective thing, isn't it? When you mm. try and do that in the middle of the park, like don't do this. It's the yeah, I agree. It's like show don't tell. Yeah, exactly. And doesn't mean show perfect. <laughs> no. It means, you know, show that I'm trying to get better at it. That's the show. Yeah. Because, yeah, no, it was nailing this. Nope. The, um, yeah, so that question is a really good one. And this is – it's really funny. So you and I got to catch up with a colleague and good friend of mine, um, Beck, who looks like amazingly might be the first guest that we ever have, who is a phenomenal professional in the space of mental health in young kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and I get to work with her, uh, which is a real privilege. But we were talking about this with her yesterday and um, she had this really great thing about um, extrinsic versus intrinsic motivation. What's that? So, yeah, I looked it up because I kind of understood what she was saying but looked at the research around this last night, um, yeah, which was, yeah, really interesting. So essentially what it is is saying that – this, this mum is kind of saying, I'm worried that she's, you know, got a lot of empathy, but she'll kind of put her needs behind other people's because she's trying to please them. And what Beck said that was really awesome is instead of saying, I'm really proud of you for doing something, you say, you should be really proud of yourself yeah. for that. And you should get an intrinsic or internal kind of good sense of self from that, not be validated by other people yep. and that driving you. And that's the cool thing about it. Beck also spoke about, and this is a bit complex, but the difference between empathy and compassion. Mm-hmm. And that's a really amazing distinction as well because empathy is like I have, I share the feelings of someone else. Yeah. So I see that Nick is having a hard time and then I share that feeling of hard time because I can have empathy and understand his experience. Interestingly, when you do like what's called functional MRIs where you act, you have a person thinking about something, you're thinking about you know this awful thing that's happening to you and then I think about this awful thing that's happening to Nick. Similar parts of my brain light up to yours even though I'm not the person experiencing it. So there's a risk in empathy as well that this mum's talking about that you know she's kind of taking the weight of everyone else on. Whereas yep. compassion is a bit more intentional in that what compassion really drives towards is I am choosing to help this person. And and that's a different thing to like a, a less intentional kind of empathetic response to I feel sorry for people around me. Like, you know, and that's, yeah, I've, I can understand how they feel. I understand their experience. Whereas compassion is more directed towards I'm choosing to help them. Yep. And that's the cool thing for this mum that I hope is helpful is that making sure because you can tell she's a really amazing role model which will be the b- biggest predictor of this young girl going on and mm-hmm. feeling confident and self-assured the other bit is like reinforcing that her internal motivation or her intrinsic bit that is kind of like i'm motivated because I, this is a priority for me i feel really good about myself when i look after other people and yep. things like that so it's a really cool distinction yeah I, I came along to the catch up with, <coughs> excuse me. I came along to the catch up yesterday with you and Beg, and it was fantastic to obviously see another 
professional in full flight. Like I sat there just like listening, taking it all in. And there was those, the two things you mentioned were just two of the biggest penny drops, but that the, the biggest penny drop I'd had prior to hearing that from Beck yesterday was the one where you would say, um, uh, I'm here as opposed to it's okay. Yeah. But that one yesterday where she was like, oh, I'm so proud of you. It's like that external validation is not what it's about. It's got to be internal mm. and to be like, you, sh- you must be so proud. Like it, small, small tweak, but I reckon absolute game changer was so good. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. God, like, yes, such a small tweak in language, but I think such a different outcome to developing that correctly. And then I never really thought about the difference between empathy and compassion when she was running through that as well. I was like, God, yes. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. One so much more actionable and like you can take something out of it and do it as opposed to. I think a lot of people take on the weight of a situation and feel that really badly and it can be paralyzing that that weight of taking it on. So Yeah, yeah and this mum I correctly identifies a vulnerability in a kid that has a lot of empathy is that yeah. they kind of always put other people's needs first. And, you know, the great thing is you watch her. So there's heaps of textbooks, heaps of journal articles. Nothing trumps watching a kid yeah. and seeing how that individual kid's going. That that is the golden rule for everything. How are they going? What a question. Mm, great, such, great, such a riveting. Yeah, question. it's a great question. It's yeah, one of the best we've had. So we yeah. really appreciate you know the more challenging. There's so much beautiful honesty in that. But yeah, it was great. Yep, love that one. Thank you. Um, and I'm gonna just we're gonna keep it to three questions today. Yeah. <laughs> so okay. timing. Yeah. We can get parents can list all of this. Um, you spoke about imaginary friends in the context of empathy, which was great. However. Would you would also love to hear how we can harness imaginary friends in other social contexts, for example, managing shyness, increasing confidence? Thank you so much. Yeah, definitely. So we, we can utilise imaginary friends, but I also want listeners who are like, my kid doesn't have an imaginary friend, which is you know going to be a significant group of kids that will never have an imaginary friend, like the majority of kids won't. There's some that says kind of up to 65%, but a lot of the evidence is less than that. It's, it's, you know, the imaginative play or creative play is mm. the bit that I think you can harness for lots of those things. Shyness and confidence are really interesting ones for the person to have identified. Shyness we don't kind of uniquely worry about just as a golden rule that every kid that's shy we should Why be not? concerned because some kids are um, more kind of introverted or internalising in how they process their environment and... The only I do worry about shyness when I see that it has a functional impact. So this child is shy and they haven't really established any deep friendships in school. This child is shy and it means that they don't really participate in extracurricular activities. Like if I, I would always I would never if someone came to me in clinic and said I'm worried my child's shy, those are the things that I'd be asking about. What impact does that have on them? Yeah. And there is a vulnerability in shy kids. Shyness, and interestingly as well, um, if shyness is internalising and they're coming away from things that they're worried about, there actually is a, a lot in common with the confidence, which is the other attribute that the parent raised. And a lot of that comes from really secure attachment mm-hmm. and kids feeling safe in the world and having really strong attachment. Once again, this is a parent that's listening to a parenting podcast, so will be a really responsive, predictable kind of parent, which is and really warm which is, I think we've spoken about that a fair bit over the episodes. but um, So that's really good. But you definitely can harness you know, that. And it's like we were saying before, 
is why, you know, a lot of kids want to be a superhero and a lot of their creative play is around being a superhero. You know, I'm Superman or, you know, I'm Wonder Woman or whatever it is. And what is a good opportunity in those instances if you're worried about building confidence mm. is, you know, thinking about why, why is Superman so confident? You know, how come Wonder Woman's so brave? And if you can have conversations about that, it's really important that you don't kind of emphasise either in the imaginative character or in the child's abilities that they are innately good at it. That confidence is something that we all have to try at and work on and are not perfect at and I get better through trying at it as opposed to people are innately confident or you are the fastest kid because you're just fast. Is confidence you try though, that. Isn't confidence an outcome of all the other things though? Like, Yeah, definitely. But, you know, we, we have to kind of work on those skills about yeah, saying that's like what, how – Yeah, prop it up. That's what totally. Sort of well, if you think yeah. about a lot of primary school kids, like the kid who gets up in front of the class and answers the question and is able to speak without his voice breaking and, you know, not tremble and sit yep. back down – there will be a lot of reasons he wasn't just born like that. No, he'd done a lot of the work in the background. Yeah, yeah, like the parents have supported that. They've made him feel like he's got a good sense of self. It's a bit of the same of the vulnerability and empathy. Kid can be empathetic, but he's also really good at kind of making sure that they prioritise themselves, you know, especially the previous mum that was talking about, you know, raising a girl, like how do I do that? That sense of self and self-awareness and confidence is another thing that we need to reinforce. And we don't, you know, like anything, I, I really don't like kids hearing that they're really smart because I think it doesn't, it takes away takes the away. effort. Yeah, for they've got to get, yeah, yeah. demonstrate knowledge. and yep. Yeah, and I think confidence is the same in that you can develop that skill and you don't do it by saying, mate, just get up there and do it. Bad luck, you're going to be up in front of the class tomorrow. Uh, if it's a kid that, as yeah. I said before, always watch the kid. If it's a kid who's struggling with confidence, give them opportunities to build it with this level of support they need and then really gently reduce that level of support. So we're going to do – I want you to talk about, you know, what your show and tell is in front of me and your dad tonight and your sister – and then actually you're going to do it in front of your uncle or one of your friends is going to come over and I want you to do the play in front of us, knowing that the last step where there isn't that level of parental supervision and support mm -hmm. actively happening during the process is going to be the hardest one for their confidence yep. to to reach up and level up to. Yeah. So, you know, imaginative play can be really good opportunities for kids to explore a lot of these things in their own safety but also creating like, you know, the superhero or the teddy bear you know, is a bit shy. Why do you think he's a bit shy? And what it gives is a really, you know, good opportunity for kids to explore why the teddy bear might feel like that or why are they confident or whatever. And, you know, having conversations about even just emotions but this stuff being hard, it being normal to find it challenging, it's stuff that we work on. And the, the effort is the really important bit. And then like we were saying before, you, you know, you must feel proud of yourself because you were able to get up in front of the class as opposed to I'm proud of you because you got up in front of the class and really building that self-esteem and confidence in the kid that comes internally from themselves is a really cool way that, yeah, Beck helped me kind of even clarify in my own mind. Mm. So, yeah, it's cool stuff. Like it's, yeah. it's really cool because you kind of think about imaginative, like this is intentionally a light episode because we did such a heavy one, parental mental health in the two before this so we picked something really light intentionally, but it's actually play 
yeah. is really important. Like super important. Uh, I know people have to worry about putting food on their kids' plates and you know getting to work and all that stuff. But if you can find time to play with your kids, especially if your kid is the oldest or a single child or anything like that, because they won't, they'll have less opportunities. Like I often feel bad about how much time Yvette spends in daycare and how long a day she spends in daycare. But I know she's getting these really good creative play opportunities with the educators there and with the other kids. And that's a really amazing opportunity for her to develop those skills because they will go on and teach her as just as, you know, the training wheels start and then they come off and they ride the bike. When they get to school, there's a lot less opportunity for support in how creatively they play and how much they kind of read other kids' emotions. It's really interesting. Kids who partake in more um, creative play or imaginative play and imaginary friends and things like that are more likely to be able to pick up other kids' facial expressions, so nonverbal communication stuff. They're more likely to be able to resolve conflicts and negotiate kind of rules around the game and all those things because they've... Pick like everything, up. they've kicked a ball more times. So when they get out on the field, you know, they're more likely to succeed at it. And that's, what it, you know, like that analogy I think you've used on a previous podcast is you're kind of taking them out for a kick. And it's the same with a lot of this stuff, that kind of creativity and imaginary friends and all these things are just opportunities for them to, you know, continue to process this stuff in their mind and get better at it. Yeah, I, I love watching that stuff unfold with them. Like just going back to the book sort of thing or going back to a scooter where you're like, when they first get on the scooter, it doesn't. It's not. They're not perfect at it. I'm like, God, how's this gonna, how's this gonna pan out? Then you're reminded, oh, it just takes ten hours of <laughs> eight of which you might be carrying it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the yeah. Scooter, but you know, like they are. They actually get it. And God, look at them now. They're flying. Yeah, yeah. So it is an important one to prioritize. I think it's very easy to prioritize the scooter. It's a bit harder to prioritise like the tea party or the banana being a phone. Yeah. And, you know, all of that stuff. But it's just as if not more important. No, nah, completely agree. And just it's really good how you give that context because now I understand why and, and also how. So I can do these games. Yeah. I was playing pirate ships before I got here, mate. Yeah, So you yeah. put two chairs together and you get a broomstick and it's got a flag up the top of it. Yeah, that's great. Even my lanka. Yeah, and so explore. Why is the captain yeah. so confident? Why is, you know, you explore all that stuff and that, that's yeah. the cool thing. Open questions, like chase around this stuff because, yeah, the pirate ship is really cool because mm. it's a really cool imaginative opportunity. Mm. Mm. I think she was playing with me by the end of it. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, what do we need next? I'm like, oh, we get some portals? <laughs> She's like, okay. Yeah, great. It's a leadership opportunity. Like, there's so much cool stuff about it, mate. Because then it's you're not in the real world. She's not actually on no, a pirate ship. Obviously. I was, I was definitely the uh, the deckhand. She was the skipper. So, <laughs> anyway, we'll get there. Billy, thank you so much. And but most importantly, thank you to some of those ripping questions. We yep. love those questions. Um, so every time we do a topic, please ping questions at us. We distill them. We bring in, um, we bring in a lot of them. And yeah, we love it. Just drives this second episode, so it's everything. So thank you yeah. so much. And yeah, feedback, reviews, tell people. We still haven't done a single bit of marketing, no so marketing. we really appreciate people. No marketing, tell. great listenership, great listening through. So a lot of you should get this message. It's the end of the episode, so <laughs> numbers are telling us you listen all the way through. Yeah, so no keep, drop off. Keep sharing it because we really appreciate people doing that. Yeah, it helps us uh, learn about what people want. So the more people that listen to it, um. Yeah, it helps us. And the feedback keeps driving us. Oh, every week. It's those questions every week uh, that keep us going. So, So yeah, including future topics, let us know. Yep, let us know on that as well. All right, I think that's it. Yep.
Let's get back to our Sundays. Thanks, Nick. Thanks, Billy. Thanks, everyone. Beer on your breath, she'll take it out on me. I don't want to see you again for the rest of my whole life. I don't want to see anybody else either. Who is your daddy and what does he do? Just use your best judgment. <laughs>